Next on BYU Sports Nation, Kalani Satake and BYU football make three more hires to the Cougar coaching ranks. Where will the new staff make the biggest impact? The countdown to the NFL draft is on for BYU Bruiser Bronson Kafusi. Where is he projected to be selected? Eric Galco of Optimum Scouting joins us. Plus, former NBA hoopster and BYU women's coach Jeff Judkins back in Studio B. What's his number one pet peeve as a coach? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation live in Radio Vision, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, January 26th, wherever, however you're dialed in, I say good day. (laughs) How do you feel about that, Jerem? I feel amazing. <laughs> I, I have a little bit of a cold, so I'm like, what? Uh, what? 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 Remember the time I took uh, Mucinex? I do remember Like that. the morning of a show, and I was like, why is it so hazy in here, man? Yeah, don't ever it's do so that weird. again. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> My name is Spencer I'm going to do it just for fun tomorrow. I am teamed up with Jim McMahon headband collector, Jerem Jordan. We have one that we created just out of a headband. I'm going to go it. get it? I, yeah, we'll put it up here. I think it's okay. a little bit stretched out. In fact, why are we talking about Jim McMahon? Because 30 years ago today... Wait, this is a fail. Where'd it go? I think it's around the basketball. Jim McMahon and his Chicago Bears... Took on the new <laughs> took on the New England Patriots in Super Bowl Twenty. Yes. Put, put it, it on, Jeremy. Wear it as a necklace. Fit around my Wear waist. Wear it as a necklace. What in the world? <laughs> yes. Yes. It, is, it's so it has out. been stretched out a bit, but... It has now assumed the throne on the BYU football helmet. Jim McMahon, 30 years ago today, Super Bowl 20 champion along with the Chicago Bears. You know what's the funny part about that? You know the Super Bowl shuffle? Yes. They recorded that before the regular season ended. Uh, Like a boss they did, yes. Three games left in the regular season, and they recorded that. Can you imagine That's what confidence. would happen to an NFL team if they did something like that now? Like Cam and Newton, they got to Cam the Newton's Super Bowl, doing like the Super Bowl dab, like oh, <laughs> like three with three regular season games left. Hey, they would get murdered in the media. But they w- but they went to the to the ship and won. Yes, they did. They did it. The, yes, they did. Speaking of important dates in history and how it relates to BYU. Five years ago today, where were you, BYU Sports Nation? Jerem, where were you? The greatest game I've seen in person. Jimmer Fredette scores 43 points as ninth-ranked BYU beats fourth-ranked San Diego State. In the Marriott Center, Kevin Durant tweets that night, Jimmer Fredette is the greatest scorer in the world. I wish that uh, Kevin Durant tweeted that now uh, about Jimmer, but unfortunately that's not the case. But five years ago was an unbelievable atmosphere in the Marriott Center. The fans stormed the court for the first time since 1824. It was amazing. Floyd Mayweather thinks Jimmer Fredette is the greatest scorer in the world. No, he doesn't. Chris Berman? Yes, here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. The Raiders. BYU football announces the hirings of Steve Clark to coach the tight ends. Russell Tialavea as the director of football operations and A.J. Middleton as assistant strength and conditioning coach. That staff nearing completion. We'll tell you the two position groups that have yet to be uh, filled for BYU. Kalani Purcell's West Coast Conference Player of the Week for the third straight week. Last week she averaged 17 points, 20 boards, and 6 assists per game. Also, the women's team is a nine seed 
in ESPN's bracketology and receiving votes in the AP poll. Single digit seed. Now, didn't someone tweet you about that this morning? Let's not talk about that. <laughs> they said, "Oh, your single digit seed thing was about the women's team." Ah, yes, the karma manifesting itself in a un- another unique way. <laughs> uh, it helps to play six of nine at home. The men's volleyball <laughs> team stayed at number three in the latest AVCA coaches poll and off the block media poll, which features our own Jerem Jordan. By the way, Jerem, where did you put? BYU, and who are, who are one and two in your poll? Uh, the same is what came out. So okay. UCLA, unanimous number one in the ABCA poll, by the way. Uh, and then Long Beach State, and I had BYU at three as well. There's this one dude that comes at me every week because I don't vote BYU number one. <laughs> they lost. They split. They're not in the number one team, guy. They lost to Stanford and uh, lost to Long Beach State. Don't let rationale hit you out the door, man. <laughs> <laughs> Mackenzie Johnson Halliday, the gymnast of the week in the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Championship after tying for the all around title at Friday's meet. I don't know why they call the MRGC the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Championship. It's not a conference. Oh, it's, oh, it's, it's the, the championship. championship. But it's a conference. Listen, so why wouldn't you call it a conference? It's better than having the name of a conference with the wrong number of teams in your league. Just saying. <laughs> JS. Here's looking at you, basically every conference in America need to name right names, now. Big Ten, Big Twelve. Whatever. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. You're hired. Coaching is a big relationship business, and you want to work with people that you trust and that you care about, and I certainly trust and care about Kalani and want him to be successful, and I, I just felt like this was too neat of an opportunity for me to, to not get involved if I could. Mike Empey, the new offensive line coach at BYU, joined us the day after his hire to talk about the uniqueness of this coaching opportunity presented to him. BYU football and head coach Kalani Satake have now hired three more coaches to that new look staff as of yesterday to join Mike Empey, among others. Up first, Steve Clark, leaving his head post at Weber State about an hour and a half north in Ogden, Utah, to come down south to Provo to coach the tight ends at BYU. Former BYU player Russell Tealavea is the new director of football operations and A.J. Middleton on board to work as the assistant strength and conditioning coach in close proximity with Nuu Tafisi, the new head man for strength and conditioning. Russ uh, Tealavea and I dominated intermediate basketball in winter semester of twenty uh, or two thousand nine, he was great in the post. I, I was trying to hit some threes. I think we just really took over that intermediate basketball class. It's always so I'm about, happy for it's Russ. It's always about you and your basketball. Ha- yes, it is. Won the rec league game last night as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, the, I, I like Russ as a hire. He had been uh, on the staff uh, working in the student athletic uh, athlete academic center. Right, AJ Middleton, uh, new to the scene here. Steve Clark's been here before. Um, he was, I believe, a GA here. He's been all over the place in the state of Utah, so great connections uh, in this state and good experience. Not a guy that played college football, uh, but, but a guy that apparently, we're told, is tremendous at breaking down film and analyzing the game that way. Only two position group coaching spots remain open, running backs and defensive backs. So basically everything filled in now, and that takes us to our Twitter question of the day. Where will this new BYU football coaching staff have the biggest impact? Use the hashtag BYUSN. This dude's normally first to get a tweet in, and he is today again. At Justin D. Sweeney. I'll go with recruiting. Landing guys, previous staff, wouldn't even try. They've made it very clear they will go after anyone and anybody, whether they are super interested in BYU or not. They are... They're going after the guys they want. There is a player that BYU is recruiting 
that Alabama is also recruiting. So you have uh, that level of uh, at least uh, attempt from this staff. Why not aim for the stars? Why not? Because What's the worst thing that happened? Doesn't work out? Okay. Yeah. It, you know, and, and this speaks to maybe one uh, major difference between the last staff and this staff. Bronco Mendenhall uh, rewarded loyalty to a great degree. Okay. He, he went to a part, if, if, if our dating comparisons, okay? We always have dating comparisons. I he don't used know. to say, guys recruit BYU. Guys recruit right. us. Prove to me that you want to be here, okay? So that you want to be loyal to this program. And, and when Bronco Mendenhall came to BYU, there were some guys that weren't necessarily BYU guys, and there were some issues there initially, right? Some, some legal issues, too. But over time, you know, Bronco kind of stuck to that loyalty factor. Now, I think Kalani Sataki, who's been in the Pac-12 for several seasons now, knows the... The LDS or LDS, you know, types, if you will, um, that would fit the honor code. The Polynesian community, obviously a strong tie there. And so BYU is going to go after a different uh, type of guys. That's not to say the way that the previous uh, staff recruited was wrong or bad. In fact, there were lots of good players among those. Lots of guys that maybe weren't drafted but are in the NFL type of guys under Bronco Menhall. Now with Kalani Sitake, I think... To me, the answer to this question is recruiting. The number one thing, recruiting. And to me, recruiting will equal more wins if you can get the right type of guys around. It's not complicated math and logic, right? The more we never go there. This is a sports show. The more high profile guys you have that you recruit and can get to a school, the better chance you have of developing that good talent out of high school into something you want on the field at the collegiate level. And they need to fit what BYU is all about. That, therein lies the key, right? BYU does it a little differently. They've got to fit that or it's going to be, there will be issues. Let's take a step back and recap who is in with this new BYU football staff. If for some reason you've been living under a rock for the past, oh, I don't know, month and a half. The head coach of BYU football, Kalani Satake. Offensive coordinator is the Heisman hero, Ty Detmer. You just heard from Mike Empey, the new offensive line coach. Wide receivers coach as of last week, Ben Cahoon, second time with BYU's football staff, CFL Hall of Famer. And the tight ends coach is Steve Clark, who Jerem just referenced, is a film guru and a guy that has great respect in the coaching profession coming from Weber State University. I like this group of guys. There are a lot of guys with BYU ties, in fact, which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Six of BYU's eight hired coaches so far are former BYU players. Only Steve Clark and Elisa Tuiaki did not play at BYU, which is interesting because when Kalani Sataki was in here, uh, right after he got hired, the day of it, and in fact on that live BYU Sports Nation in the afternoon, I asked him about that very thing. Uh, you know, how important is it to have BYU guys, per se? And he said, if they're not BYU guys, they need to at least understand the fit. Here he is having uh, hired at least six of the eight with two more to go. You wonder if those guys will be uh, BYU guys. And then, uh, you know, how many of these guys are uh, Polynesian? BYU doesn't yet have a member of the, of the staff that's African-American. Typically there's been at least one guy um, in the past that's, that's been on the staff in that situation. So we'll see here who those two guys are as we get closer to filling that. And, and here we sit uh, eight days out from signing day. We were wondering if BYU would have a staff. They've got, most of the, they've got most of the staff Close filled out. Enough. They've, yeah. done, they've done work, right? Elisa Tuiaki and Steve Clark, the only two without BYU football playing history on this staff. Steve Kafusi is back. He's the tenured veteran on the defensive line. Linebackers unsure who's going to do what, but 
I don't know. I'd be shocked if it's not a combination of Tuiaki and Satake coaching the linebackers just because they had the experience there. I expect that to happen. And Ed Lamb coaching special teams, another guy that played during some glory years for BYU football. So, yeah, talk about BYU ties and a reunion staff. This is what it's about right now. It feels more emotional, too. Like, the staff will be more emotional in that, um, you know, Satake is more about... Bronco Hall was very military kind of or business organization, wrote a book, you know, all that. That way. That was his thing, okay? I feel like Kalani Staki is more, uh, I don't know, personal. Than a, that's not a knock on Bronco, just a little more personal. Just different. More, more Lavellish. Yeah, not right? a knock, just different. More Lavellish uh, in that. I, I think that BYU will uh, produce more NFL draft picks uh, in the future. Uh, Bronco's thing was getting guys into the league, whether that was through the draft or not. Yeah. Uh, hit the jackpot with Ziggy and that kind of thing. For the record, I think Bronco Mendenhall was exactly what BYU needed in 2005. Yes. To to regain some national respect. You had to restore some tradition, spirit, honor exactly. there soon after. And now Kalani Satake yeah. and his staff are the right staff for this time. That's okay? the hope. We need, to, we need to see it on the field as well. Okay, for me, I'm going to answer the Twitter question with one phrase. Rivalry games. I think the biggest impact that this staff will have in, in short term, for simplifying things, I think that the emotion and the passion that go into rivalry games from fans will now bleed into the coaching staff because the majority of these guys played in these rivalry games. Nameless, faceless was kind of the mantra at the back end. I, I, it's not nameless, faceless when you play Utah. Where will the BYU football coaching staff have the biggest impact? Send in your tweets using the hashtag BYUSN. Ah, Jerem, it's once again that time, no, I'm my friend. Out. No, I'm out. See ya. Countdown to the Wildcats. Such a poor sport. 221. I know you can still hear me. 221 days. BYU and Arizona. <laughs> The Space Station Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. Eric Galco of Optimum Scouting joins us next. BYU Sports Nation brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU Radio and BYU TV. The conversation happening right now on Twitter. Follow us at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Eight days from now, Wednesday, February 3rd, we will have full coverage of football signing day on BYU Sports Nation. Live at noon Eastern, uh, we'll have full coverage of uh, guys as, as they signed who signed earlier that morning. And then at 6 Eastern time, we'll have conversations uh, with the coaching staff, with BYU. We'll review all of the signees. We'll talk about the return missionaries. We'll talk about JC Trent, all those guys. Hang with us next Wednesday, live at noon and 6 Eastern time. One week from tomorrow. Where will this new BYU football coaching staff have the biggest impact at JK16? I think recruiting and getting players in the draft. I think those things may change drastically in the next few years. We address both of those in the opening segment. Download the podcast to hear that entire conversation. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is the Director of Optimum Scouting and contributor for the Sporting News, Eric Galco. Eric, nice to have you back on the program. Absolutely, guys. What's going on? We want to know what you think about Bronson Kafusi and his pro potential. Um, 
We'll reconnect with Eric Galco just a minute, get him in a better position. But again, the director of Optimum Scouting join us to talk about Kafusi's draft potential. Now, the Sporting News released an article all the way at the end of last year that had Kafusi as the last pick in the first round, seeing projections now that he's a second round, late second round guy. So he's dropped. What happened? I'm just kidding. Oh my I'm goodness. just kidding. Top couple of rounds and uh, you know, a day two pick is, is really good uh, for Bronson Kafusi. So here's the situation. I, I talked to Bronson Kafusi at halftime of the Pepperdine game uh, in Malibu. He went up there to see his brother uh, play in that game. And he is in Irvine training and then left uh, yesterday for Mobile, Alabama, where this week he'll participate participate in the Senior Bowl on Saturday. Now, how big are these games? I think that Ziggy Ansah got himself to the fifth pick. Some guys, it doesn't matter, but some, you can really make a move. Uh, now, Eric Galco now joins us. Eric, uh, we were just asking, what do you think of Bronson Kafusi's pro potential? Yeah, as far as the guys down here at the Senior Bowl, you measure in at 6'6 six, six and a half, 281 pounds, and has one of the longer wingspans of defensive linemen here. He's certainly going to be intriguing for NFL teams who want to see if they can either develop him to be a defensive end or outside linebacker in the NFL, maybe a 4-3 defensive end, or to, uh, to be a guy to come in right away and, and kind of add some value in the run game and setting the edge as well as playing in space a little bit too. So he's certainly one of the more intriguing guys. His film, especially early on in the year, was a bit frustrating for a guy that has so much talent that flashed so much over his career. I think the Super Bowl is going to be a huge week for him to kind of leave that BYU defense and start impressing scouts in a different setting. How much did he help himself during the second half of BYU season? Because from our perspective, he went beast mode for the last five or six games. So how much of a difference do you think that made in getting Bronson to where he is now? Yeah, whether it was his own aspect or his coaching staff kind of letting him go, he seemed a lot more comfortable to kind of just make his own plays and do more in one-on-one situations. I thought earlier in the year and years before that, he seemed to want to kind of fit himself into that defense and not make mistakes. I think towards the second half of the year, kind of put sort of a bit more activeness, a bit more confidence in himself, and, and got more opportunities and one-on-ones that took advantage of him. So I think it's definitely a positive sign coming into the postseason and the draft season itself because teams want to see how he can do away from that defense and in isolation, see how they fit him in their defense. He's such a, a unique athlete at 6'6", 281 pounds, and a guy who's athletic up to play in space. Teams are going to want to mold him for what they want in their defense. So how he played the second half of the year, in kind of isolation, doing his own thing more and more, as well as the Senior Bowl here, it's going to be huge for how many teams really covet him at the top of the draft pick. He had been listed at 6'8". I know a lot of guys list their height at what they are in cleats or shoes. Then this morning, he's uh, measured at 6'6 and 5'8". Is that a common occurrence that all of a sudden these guys are actually uh, measured and then it's maybe a little shorter than what they thought? I think it's actually more, uh, more uncommon for guys to measure accurately what they are on, on the website as well. Really, the only thing I know for sure, Kansas State is very good at that as far as measuring guys and having it translate over. But outside of that, almost every school, if not every school, um, does that. So it's not a huge deal, usually for guys that kind of meet those thresholds or don't meet those thresholds because the measurement is an issue. But I think in his sense, you know, 6'8", six, 6'6", six, six, he's still going to be one of the longer defensive ends in the NFL uh, when he gets there. Eric Galco of Optimum Scouting, contributor for the Sporting News and NFL draft expert, is joining us from Mobile, Alabama, on BYU Sports Nation. If you had to put a pick, a lock-in pick, for Bronson Kafusi in the approaching NFL draft, I know it's late January and we're still like three-plus months away, but right now, where do you think Bronson Kafusi would be drafted before the Senior Bowl? Before the Senior Bowl is a good way to look at it because I think it could go either way here in Mobile. If I had to say right now, our current draft grade on him is a fifth-round grade. I think he's a day-three guy and kind of a guy you have to figure out where to fit in, maybe take a year to redshirt and kind of develop him in your defense. But I think in terms of how he's measured out right now, what he'll likely do at the NFL Combine athletically as well, I think the third round is not out of the question, maybe even late second if he can really impress in the postseason. So 
I think right now, to be cautiously optimistic, it's probably third or fourth round. A lot can change here in Mobile. A lot can change in the NFL Combine. But there's not many guys walking around who are almost 6'7", 281 pounds, and can play as well in space as Bronson does. So I think in terms of just not enough guys on this planet can do what he can do, I think third round is certainly a possibility. We, we could uh, affectionately call that the Ziggy Ansah effect, potentially, just where your intangibles and your physicality uh, could help you rise in that way. What do you see from Bronson that could maybe help him go from what you said originally was maybe a fifth-round grade to getting up into, say, day two of the draft? Yeah, for, for guys like him who are bigger and thicker and not necessarily speed rushers, how he does in those pass, pass blocking and pass rush drills one-on-ones are going to be really important. At the end of the day, as a pass rusher, You've got to beat left tackles and right tackles and get to the quarterback and have the balance to finish the tackle. So how he does it, how fluid he looks and, and working on the outside, cutting back inside against a lot of talented offensive tackles here will be crucial. If he can have a good week in those drills, that'll be important. I think certainly in team drills, when he's working in the run game, if he can show he can hold the edge, not allow that B-gap to open up and really keep running backs from getting that area and letting linebackers and quarterbacks finish outside of them, that's going to be huge. So those are two really specific things. I think that's what scouts are looking for. See if Bronson Kikusi can play defensive end in the NFL and, and how effective he can be there early on in his career. Eric, I know that for obvious reasons we're spending a lot of time talking about Bronson because he's kind of the hot commodity coming out of BYU. But in terms of other guys that BYU has right now, what about a guy like Mitch Matthews who is 6'6 and has had a couple of nice solid seasons back-to-back? What kind of an opportunity would he have with his frame playing for an NFL team or, or getting himself to a place where he could try and, and get on a 53-man roster? Yeah, I mean, certainly a guy like him who's a red zone threat who can, who can jump up and catch the ball in space and in one-on-one coverage is going to be an asset NFL team they're going to consider in the draft process or afterwards. I think certainly how he looks physically, how, what, what kind of bulk he has, and, and if he can really man up against more physical quarters, an issue he kind of had despite being a, a bigger receiver a little bit and kind of getting backed off his route. So I think how he handles those things is going to be important to draft process. But for a 6'3", six, 6'4", six, receiver, whatever he'll measure in at, with his jump ball ability, I think he can translate immediately to the red zone, especially in three and four wide sets. I think it's going to be an outside chance, depending on his pro day or the NFL combine, how he tests to be a draft pick. But I think more likely he's going to be a camp guy. He's going to have to earn a spot as kind of that outside jump ball type receiver early on in his career before he can kind of get comfortable in the NFL roster. There's another guy on BYU's roster that could play for BYU. We'll see if he uh, sticks around. But Taysom Hill is an intriguing potential NFL prospect. Where do you see him potentially or not uh, fitting into the NFL next season? Yeah, in terms of just raw ability, athletic, athletic, athletically playing on the perimeter, certainly the arm talent is super impressive. I think he has all those skill sets the teams want to develop. But in terms of NFL teams and how they're looking at quarterbacks now, it's a lot less of a project-driven league. You've got to be able to come in right away and at least contribute as a quarterback. And I think for Taysom Hill, whether BYU or someplace else, has to show this next season that he can kind of come in right away and not be a project guy, kind of be refined and play in the pocket, play in the perimeter and be, and be confident and be poised outside. So I think for the most part he has a lot to show in terms of refinement in this game and kind of playing within himself and running an offense and managing a game. But talent-wise, athletically, arm strength-wise, uh, he has all the checkboxes you want to hit for an NFL quarterback. And I'd say right now, Looking at next year, he's probably in that draft pick mode already if he can kind of have a year at BYU or else where he's kind of playing under control. Eric Galco, Director of Optimum Scouting, joining us. He's live in Mobile, Alabama right now getting ready for the Senior Bowl. We've talked about Bronson Kafusi and Mitch Matthews now discussing Taysom Hill. You look at a guy like Taysom and whatever you want to call it, bad luck, misfortune, he's had three season-ending injuries. So how much does that play into how the NFL scouts and teams would look at a guy and seriously drafting Taysom Hill. 
Yeah, it'll be a huge issue, and teams don't want to have the injury guys because those things come back again. It's not that's going to impact his play necessarily, and I'm not sure it will impact his play next season entirely, but it's more of a factor of, will this guy keep getting hurt? And we saw, what, eight starting quarterbacks in the NFL go down this year with injuries, whether it's season-ending or, or most season. It's hard to come back from that. And so have a backup quarterback like Taysom Hill at FVP out of the gate to be injured as well doesn't really help your roster. So the team needing quarterbacks to be healthy, needing two strong guys on your team, if there's an injury concern, and it might happen again in the near future, it'll be an issue. But as long as his injuries aren't regenerative and not going to really disable him for the future and limit what he can do athletically or arm talent-wise, I think he could be okay. But it's going to be certainly a question mark and a ding against him when it comes time to the 2017 draft and teams are in the boardroom and deciding which quarterback we want to invest our future into a little bit. That's going to be one of the negatives that could uh, career their head and maybe push him down or out of the draft. Um, it seems to be an issue. Eric, give us an idea of what goes into – draft day because there's actually playing on the field which ultimately is what you do when you're on the field there's the combine there's pro day there's senior bowl lead up there's all this stuff right uh what what goes into getting a guy drafted especially this week for a guy like Bronson Kafusi? yeah I think it's you know as I've gotten playing with more and more NFL scouts the the aspect of measurables and the combine numbers so it's kind of brushed aside the media and people want to hate that because it's when we look at production and on the field stuff and watch these guys live it's a huge part of the process, and there's not a whole lot of guys that don't meet certain height, weight, arm length, hand size measurables, or the 40-time measurables that teams look at and, and make in the NFL. It's very few guys kind of are, are the outliers. So I think the measurables are certainly a huge part just to meet those thresholds. And then if you kind of meet those thresholds, then you look to the film. But I think more importantly with the athletic testing combined with scouting report, combined with analytics, it's about where a guy has success in the field, and also what those numbers tell him about his future there. So, for example, Bronson Kafusi, a guy who's a 6'6", 281-pound defensive end, maybe playing outside linebacker situationally, it's not about how well he's you know, explosive in the short area or how well he wins the one-on-one pass rush on the perimeter. It's about can he set the edge? Can he do this? Can he do things that his role in the NFL will be? So I think for Kafusi, testing well athletically in terms of the short shuttle, in terms of his 10-yard split, those things will be important to show he can bend a little bit. But really, on film at the Senior Bowl, at the NFL Combine and private workouts in April with NFL teams, can he set the edge? Can he play their defensive end spot? Or for three, four teams, can he work enough in space where he can kind of come down, hit a tight end, embrace a running back, and finish tackles in the backfield? Those type of things what teams want to see from Bronx Kapusi especially, and that's how the whole process kind of fits together for guys like him and different players with different skill sets and different measurables. For those that aren't familiar with what happens in Mobile, Alabama, besides the Senior Bowl, Eric, what, what is the must-do thing in Mobile, Alabama uh, that's a good question. And they, have a, they have a big Mardi Gras celebration here. They're kind of like New Orleans light uh, a lot here. Um, and great barbecue. That's what I'm going to be doing every day for lunch. I live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, so I don't get a lot of great barbecue up there. So I enjoy myself down in Mobile, Alabama, and, and there's a lot of the great places around here, seafood especially, too. Hey, we wish you the best of luck with uh, trying to figure out how to fit all that barbecue in during a very busy <laughs> week. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks again. Eric Galco. Optimum Scouting, follow him at Optimum Scouting on the Twitter machine, lead NFL draft analyst for the Sporting News. I always feel like he's um, in a hurry to go evaluate someone else. Like, he's constantly evaluating players like, yep, this this is Bronson, this This is Tyson, okay, Mm -hmm. awesome, Mm -hmm. I've got another guy to look at. i got film, i got to go check out this guy's intangible, blah, blah, blah. That guy, that guy's like, oh, thanks for spending like ten minutes with you us. You know who else does that? Mel Kiper. <laughs> Mel Kiper has that same mentality. I love, the ESPN I love the sense. Like, Whoa! I don't like slow being, down. I don't like being rushed, but I love a sense of urgency. Right? Oh man, he is up tempo.
Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's running 110 plays a game. Yes, yes, he is. The wor- he he the, is that offense. The word, he, he probably has a higher word count than any other uh, guest we have on here. Eric Galco is a legit follow if you like the NFL draft at Optimum Scouting. Joining us next, BYU women's basketball coach Jeff Judkins has his team in first place and has the three-time reigning conference player of the week. Stay with Rockets. us. Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Radio Vision Live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Thursday night, check out Men's Hoops versus Loyola Marymount, 11 p.m. Eastern time, so a later tip. On ESPNU, you can listen on BYU Radio as well. Get your nap, as Jerem says. I will be getting a nap. Like, the older I get, the more I'm taking naps. I feel so old. What's the appropriate length for a nap? Whatever the body requires. I don't know. 45 minute, 20 hour. I don't know. Because very rarely do I wake up from a nap and feel like, yep, I've slept enough. I just want to sleep more. <laughs> Good point. Depends. <laughs> like, I have, I have 1 p.m. church on Sundays now. I cannot take a nap after or I'll be up till midnight or one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that Are we back yet? First, We're just hashtag, talking about naps. Hashtag first world problems. Uh, let's you can take naps in third world. Country. Let's refresh today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football announcing the hirings of Steve Clark to coach the tight ends coming over from his offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach position at Weber State. Russell T. LeVay as the director of football operations and A.J. Middleton as the assistant strength and conditioning staff member. Men's volleyball polls are out. The coaches poll, BYU number three. Off the block media poll, number three. That's where I voted BYU as well. Mackenzie Johnson Halliday is the gymnast of the week in the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Championship after tying for the all-around title at Friday's meet. The man joining us now in Studio B, as he does on a weekly basis, is Jeff Judkins, the head coach of the BYU women's basketball team. And speaking of conference players of the week, wow. Kalani Purcell does it again three times in a row, WCC Player of the Week. And you... You can't not vote her with the numbers that she's putting up. It's ridiculous. So when you look at her stats, Coach, what's going through your mind? Well, you know what's sad is that Lexi has had some good games. Lexi had a 28-point yeah, and 11-rebound contest. And she getting the running because <laughs> Kelani gets a double-double and almost gets you know 30 rebounds. So I think that's a real positive thing for our team to have a couple players that really could go up for the award. Um, I, you know, I will give the conference a lot of credit um, to give a player the award three straight times, which she deserved, uh, shows that they're not just doing it because of, oh, this team needs it. Got to make people feel uh, good. Yeah, they're doing it who really performs the best that week. And I really believe this. If Lexi would have been named, she would have probably been, she probably would have won one of those weeks if we wouldn't have put, in, put Kelani's name on. Both of them have been playing very well for us, and uh, I think McKenzie Morris is starting to play a lot better. And uh, you know, so those those three are kind of taking the most shots in our team, and uh, hope they can k- keep it up. We got a big week. Is it uh, one vote per coach in the league? How does it work? The coaches don't vote. It's done by at least I don't vote. Unless I don't know who who votes from BYU, but I don't vote. I think it's done by by the West Coast uh, staff. I think, or maybe there's other. People like that vote, which I don't know, but I think Kelani is, I mean, 24 rebounds. I mean, that's the second I, I, most ever in BYU history. Yeah, I wow. mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I uh, go into halftime and look at the stats and 16 rebounds. 
I mean, that's a lot of know. misses from your team, though. Should we evaluate that part too? Well, from the other from I'm just too. kidding. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> she did get quite a few offensive rebounds. I think that really helped her. She got yeah. got more than normal, but I think she is a great rebounder, and I think people are starting to see that. I I've said that from day one. She's one of the best rebounders that I've ever coached, and I think she's she's really showing that. Eight and one, tied for first in the conference with San Diego. The only team you've lost to that game was the conference opener at yeah. San Diego. You get the Toreros back in Provo, so that's good to have them at home coming up. But now six of nine on the road, starting with four straight away from the Marriott Center. Uh, do you have your travel bag ready, Coach? Yeah, you know, last year we went through this. We were on the road three out of the last four games, and you know we didn't win them. We lost them, and it hurt us for the conference. So. Hopefully we'll learn from that. Hopefully we'll be able to come out and play our best basketball. And um, I, you know, I don't think this team's afraid of the road. We we were on the road in November for three straight weeks. It's kind of reason we scheduled it. And people think I'm crazy, but sometimes you schedule things to help you for the conference. Who's really laughing that. now? Yeah, top ten RPI, <laughs> nine seed projecting the tournament. Well, hopefully we can keep it up. It's, we got a long <laughs> way to go. You know, we take one game at a time. We got Loyola Marymount, and they're a very good team at home. They gave Gonzaga, a, 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 you know, really a tough time yeah. on the road, and they gave Santa Clara and San Francisco. So we got to be ready to play. I know we didn't play our best game against them here, so maybe we'll come out and play a lot better. Do you travel lightly? Uh, do, do you take multiple ties? You know, give us an idea of how you travel. Um, I usually take. Uh, Five or six ties. For the two games. For the two games, and I decide which one I think is going to be the lucky tie. <laughs> um, suit coat, I'll usually take two suit coats. And, one you, know, you can throw. One I can one get really can mad. Yeah, you know, yeah. Coaches are Like a cheap one, he's like, yeah, I'll throw it down. You know, I mean, I, I've got certain things I wear that, that, I, that I've, our team's played well, and I'm not going to lie to you. You think about it. I mean, I, put it this way. <laughs> I don't drive. I drive my black truck to every game here because we haven't lost yet. I don't drive my other truck. I drive my black truck. <laughs> and that's, coaches are like that. They're kind of crazy that way. Do you have a lucky tie that's working for you right now? Yeah, I do. I, 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 you have to really use it when it's important. You just, mm. you just can't, can't pull it out. Use it in vain. Yeah, right? you, got, you got to use it when you really feel that you need it. And, okay. uh, I'm not going to tell you that tie. Yeah, don't. You know, it has to be a secret. It has to be a it secret. It has to be a secret? Okay. It has to be a secret. Okay. Just tell us after. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you after the season. Yeah, How's that? After the season. Yeah. Jeff Judkins, the head basketball coach of BYU Women's Hoops, with us in Studio B, jamming with Juddy again on BYUSN. Let's talk about some of your pet peeves. I love the emotion that you display on the floor. And you probably are like when listening back to the games, you're like, Spencer, what? <laughs> we, we, we point out some things that we think are hilarious, okay? But what is your number one pet peeve from your team? When you see something on the floor and you're just like, oh, oh, timeout! What's your number one pet peeve? <laughs> I got so many of them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I like to be excited and let my players know that this means something to me and my staff. And uh, I show my emotions probably more than a lot of coaches. Um, and that's how I was as a parent. My children know when I'm happy, when I'm mad. Um, and I've tried to, to coach my team like that. I think the girls know when I come in at halftime and I'm not happy, they'll know they'll know it. I don't have to yell and scream and and do all these things. I can just say it in a louder voice, tone. Um, on the court, court, I really want them to know that I'm excited for their success, that I'm happy for them, and um, I hope people realize that I love basketball. 
Uh, I want my team to have as much success as anybody. I'm probably sometimes more happy for their success than they are themselves. And uh, hopefully that helps. Hopefully that makes them feel good inside that, hey, that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for them. Who are your coaching influences? Um, I would say my first would be my high school coach, Coach Larry Maxwell. Uh, he was a coach that really, um, he ran his stuff. And he expects you to do your best, and um, he did a great job with that, giving confidence to players. Coach, my my college coach Jerry Pym, um, he was a kind of a coach that behind the scenes did a lot for his players. So I try to do that. Um, I think the emotion, I've kind of taken a little bit from Coach Majerus. He got pretty fired up sometimes. Oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> he got more <laughs> mad probably than fired up from success, but. Um, when I played with Coach Jack Ramsey, he was a kind of emotional coach on the on the sidelines, and I, I maybe I've got that a little bit from him, you know, seeing how how he coached. But you know, when I was a player, I got fired up. You know, I got fired up in plays, and so I think a lot of coaches when they play or with other things they do, they just try to go to where they feel comfortable, and that's how I am. And if you notice, my staff, um, Dan and Melinda, are more yelling and. And Ray, Ray's a little more quiet, but all three of them have got a lot of energy. All three of them really um, care about this team, and they, they bring something different to the table for, for each one of our players. The WCC officials are very familiar with uh, Melinda's game, <laughs> aren't they? I think, Two Melinda, teams, I, I right? think between Melinda, Dan, and our trainer – Jeff Hurst, I mean, they're getting, the, the refs are hearing a lot from those three, <laughs> which is fine because I don't do a lot of talking. I, my, my, you know, if, you see, if I ever get mad at official, I, I kind of blow up a little bit like, what's going on? You know, but it's good to have my assistant coaches and my trainer constantly jabbing at the <laughs> officials. Let's say that you're not getting calls and you feel like, man, we're just, no, we, can't, we can't get anything yeah. to go our way. What's your approach to the officials? Like, are you a, hey, come here, let me put my arm around you. Just, I want you to watch I, this. What do you, what do, you I, do? I think I'm more getting mad. Like, <laughs> we get right in their face. Like, hey, what are you calling? And I'm saying in a loud tone. And so, a couple of the refs this year have said, if you keep going, I'm going to give you a T. And I, okay, go ahead, give me a T. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how I am. I'm not one of those that keeps just chirping and, and doing it. I, I'd rather coach my team than worry about it. But, like the, the the one charge they called on Lexi the other night, I mean it was a bad bad call. It was a big play. Um, you know I think those are times that I that I do get upset with it. And I haven't had a tee, but I've come close. The biggest thing that referees worry about me, and you've probably known as Spencer doing the games, stay in that box, stay in that <laughs> box, stay in that box. And if, yeah. if I got a Jeff, nick- get back to the box. Yeah, if I got a nickel for every time I heard that, I'd, <laughs> I'd probably be rich. But <laughs> you'd have a third truck. But you know, I like to communicate with my team, and that's why I that's why I do it. Have you? Uh, you said you haven't had a tea like ever. I've had a couple teas. Oh, when, you know, have you had one on purpose? Yes. Like I need yes. to fire up my team. Yes, I ran well in a tournament a few years ago. It was we were losing pretty bad, and I ran on the court. I intentionally ran out and got. Technical. You got out of your little box. I, I got out of my box, and yeah, and I got it. <laughs> hey, you're think, out of your box. That's the technical. I think the coach, the ref, was pretty like, "What are you doing this far out here, technicals?" <laughs> so so uh, I'm sure I'm going to get one, and I don't, I don't want to, but if I feel like it's necessary, I've, I will. 
A man that I could challenge wait. Stephen Curry for his ability to shoot the basketball. Oh, boy. Jeff That's Judkins. That's quite the statement. <laughs> Did you ask Jeff before you said that? <laughs> Gee. Uh, maybe in my earlier days. Okay. I don't think I can do it now. I, I've challenged a couple of my players recently, Christine Fuller and McKenzie, and they've, they've spanked me pretty good. Okay. So... Um, you know, I, I think I'm maybe losing the Midas touch a little what? bit. What? <laughs> I haven't. I didn't warm up, and that was probably part of it. At, but at give Mel- them credit. At Melinda underscore Bend always in. Hello, yes. Melinda. All I said was over the back. Dan yeah. Nielsen's way worse than me. <laughs> Dan Nielsen does talk more than Melinda. I agree with that. Well, <laughs> that's I, all she yet, did say. Yes, she that two. really was a bad call. Yes, she has two. That's all she said, and that's really, I think the referees need to not call it on that. It's okay, because on the broadcast, I gave credit to the technical to Dan. So, Melinda, it's all good. You know? I put it on Dan in the, the broadcast. Score. <laughs> I love that. Oh, Johnny, great to have you, as always, my friend. Good luck luck this week uh, during your Southern California road trip. Hey, thank you guys. One real quick thing. Yeah. If the NFL was so smart, they wouldn't make bad decisions on these drafts, would they? I don't know why they go through all this combine. Just watch the film and see what the guy does on the football field. Mm. I don't care how fast he pick. is. I don't care what that. I've had a lot of players in my life that I've recruited that maybe weren't the quickest, maybe don't jump the highest, but are the best. And you can't teach Phil and you can't teach toughness, and you can't teach players to know how to work as a unit. And that t- too many of this stuff goes too much out on all this other garbage. Yeah, how would Bron- how Bronson would- is a dang good player, and he's been successful from day one. And I think he is a kind of a player that I think a team will be very, very happy with, just like Andre Miller in basketball. Nobody thought he was going to be that good. Now he's still in the league 18 years. Unbelievable. And and that's what happens with players. You would know, man. You played with guys like Kevin McHale and Larry Bird. You know how would those guys fare in an athletically driven NBA scouting combine? Yeah, Larry Bird would be the worst in the combine, <laughs> <laughs> except for probably passing or throwing something. Yeah. But speed, jumping, but you know, instinct is. And I think you're seeing a lot of it with really good players. And I think you know you see it with Lexi, and you see it with Kalani a little bit, and you see it with Kyle. Those are kind of players, and that's where Mangum, that's where I think he's going to be a great quarterback as you see things like with Femim that way. Jeff, again, always a pleasure. Let's Thanks, do it again guys. soon. Okay, we'll do it next week. Hopefully we'll be 2-0. and All right, go and All win right. on the road. Jeff Judkins, BYU women's basketball coach, joining us on BYU Sports Nation. Our Twitter question today as we go back to football, where will this new BYU football coaching staff have the biggest impact? It's almost all the way locked in. Also, big deal, no deal up next. What does BYU need to do to solve Pepperdine? Is it really that big of a deal that they lost again? Just playing Provo this Saturday. Mm. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan, doing it live from Studio B. If you happen to miss an episode of this show live, don't worry. And I saw this on Twitter the other day. There are like 17 million ways to download Nicoletto the podcast. That, yes, he? he's like, there's, there's no way you can miss it if you want to see it. But we do have the rebroadcast weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. And next Wednesday, February 3rd, we will be live with football signing day coverage at noon Eastern time as well as 6 Eastern. Hang with us. We'll have exclusive access to uh, coaches uh, to be able to discuss that, review all the guys that BYU sign as they come in. So hang with us next Week noon Eastern. Normally, that six Eastern broadcast is taped, 
or uh, replayed, sorry, from the morning. That's going to be a live edition, so hang with us next Wednesday. It is time once again, Jerem, for Big Deal, No Deal. Big Deal, No Deal. Get the deal pickle out. Brady Industries, a provider of commercial cleaning supplies and equipment throughout the western United States for over 65 years. Brady Industries Clean Solutions, a tradition for generations. Salute the deal pickle, Jerem. No. Okay, don't do it. Number one. <laughs> Big deal, no deal. Bronson Gafusi measures in at 6'6 six, six and 5'8, not 6'8. <gasps> at first, I thought this was a big deal because I thought, wait, he's not 6'8? We've been lying to this whole time? Whatever. But a lot of people measure up in, in that. When I was on the sophomore basketball team at Copper Hills of great prestige, Jeremy was 5'7. I, I don't remember. What, what was I, 5'9 or something? <laughs> yeah, I was like 5'11 all of a sudden. Yeah, this happens all the time. Whatever. No, they measure football players in cleats. Okay, so is Bronson 6'8 in cleats? Yes. And with a helmet on, he probably looks 6'9. Seven foot. Come on, it doesn't matter. Can he make a play? Can he make a play on the field? That's what the big deal is about. How about Jenny going off on that, basically saying what I think, which is why do we pay so much attention to dudes running around in underwear? Anyway, that's a good question. Number two. Big deal, no deal. The Ty Detmer 24-hour round trip to Hawaii. So he takes a, he takes a trip to Hawaii, recruits somebody or, or players, and then comes back in less than 24 hours. That is, to me, that's a big deal because that's showing the commitment to go get those guys in Hawaii. You don't want to go to Hawaii and then leave. You want to go to Hawaii and stay. I bet Ty Detmer misses the ranch a little bit, but you can see his commitment to BYU recruiting right now. It's a big deal for me because Ty Detmer is in another recruit's home, wherever it is. Ty Detmer is recruiting for BYU. Big Uh, deal. We want you to come to BYU. Number three. Big deal, no deal. BYU has three games ranked in the top 25 non-conference football games next season. Sound familiar? I, th- I think this is a big deal because BYU's uh, notable schedule is being, is being noticed. Uh, granted, it's early. It's January. But those are three good games. And guess what? It was Arizona, UCLA, and Michigan State. Utah wasn't even on there. I thought Utah would be on there be- just because of the nature of the rivalry given hoops recently, given the Vegas Bowl, given the throwing hands and all that. Not including Utah. Not including Utah. Then I say this is a big deal because it doesn't include the likes of the rivalry game. But for BYU, they, they benefit from being on a national stage. And when you have three games that are top 25 non-conference among all of college football, you're going to be on big networks. They were on ABC National twice last year. One of them was the Hail Mary at Nebraska. The other, unfortunately, one, one, was the was another game. Was exactly. An- yeah, no, we won't was talk another about another game. One. They were on the SEC Network. They were on ESPN. I mean, it, it matters because they're in the spotlight. So, yeah, this is a big deal. Number four. Big deal, no deal. BYU losing four of five to Pepperdine. How is this not a, a big deal? It's a big deal that BYU's lost four of five. You know who BYU hasn't lost four of five to? Gonzaga. BYU has won in Spokane last year, and they haven't Malibu. Now they have them them being Pepperdine Saturday. BYU needs to win that. Big deal. I say this is no deal huh? because it's already done. Who cares what has happened? Because let's, it was a loss. Let's look to the future now. BYU well, has Pepperdine at, the at because home. Because it was a loss. BYU has Pepperdine at home. Nobody will care that BYU lost to Pepperdine on the road in Malibu if the Cougars can take care of business at home against the big three, Pepperdine, St. Mary's, and Gonzaga. No but, one's going to care. But now they have to take care of business because they didn't in the no past. No one's going to care. Number five. Big deal, no deal. Kalani Purcell back to back. To back WCC Player of the Week. That's pretty good. That's a big deal. That means she's been dominating. Like, dominating. She's cranked it up. Remember she came in, got to Karma two weeks ago? She was was the West Coast Conference Player of the Week that week. Then she went, Player of the Week, Player of the Week. This week again, Player of the Week. You're welcome, Kalani. Awesome. 
You are welcome. She did say to me, hey, it worked. It worked. <laughs> Something like that? This is a big deal because if you win three of these, <laughs> you're in a good place to probably win the conference player of the year. This is a big deal for Kalani Purcell. As a junior in her first season at BYU, to be doing this took her a while to kind of find her, her niche with this BYU team. She's found it and then some. We did, we did a poll. And 93% think it's a big deal that viewers lost four or five peppers. Just because it's recency bias. No deal, man. They won't care. Let's ask you next week. Brady Industries Clean Solutions, a tradition for generations. We're coming back with the whip after this. Ask your mom next week. Beat to the Y to the U, Sports Nation, presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Jerem? Whoops. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. UA Football announces the hirings of Steve Clark, coach of tight ends, Russell Tialave as the director of football operations, and AJ Middleton as the assistant to the strength and conditioning staff. Bleacher Report ranked the top 25 non conference games as well. BYU had three on that list Arizona, UCLA, and Michigan State. Women's basketball. What about the Utes, man? What? BYU women's basketball and Kalani Purcell. Honored again, West Coast Conference Player of the Week for the third straight week after averaging 17 points, 20 rebounds, and 6 assists in her last two. Also, the women's team, a 9 seed projected right now in ESPN's Bracketology and again receiving votes in the AP poll. Volleyball. Men's volleyball team stayed at number 3 in the latest coaches and media poll. That's where I had them as well. Gymnastics. Mackenzie Johnson-Halliday, the gymnast of the week in the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Championship after tying for the all-around title at Friday's Tri-Meet. Future guests, Blaine Fowler and Roxy Bernstein, who's going to call Thursday night's game against LMU. Get a nap, Roxy. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. As if we wouldn't give it to Kalani Purcell, three consecutive WCC Player of the Week nods. If your name's Kalani and you're at BYU, you're doing work right now. That's what it sounds like. She's garnering some serious national attention. Nice use of the word garner, (laughs) Jennifer. (laughs) Where will this new BYU football coaching staff have the biggest impact to the Twitter machine? Tweet, tweet. At our Greenhawk, getting up for big games, coming out confident and hyped, but not overhyped and mistake probe. Jeremy, read the elite tweet. In reference to the Jim River San Diego State game five years ago from today, oh, at okay. Alexander's 37. I had tickets to Jim River San Diego State, and my mom made me go to Young Men's. Shout out to mom. Oh. Hey! Mom! <laughs> Young Men's is every week! <laughs> Jimmer is not Brutal. every week! Boo. Show 